Now I got a few words from some of our brothers and sisters in the occupied zone. The chair is against the wall. The chair is against the wall. John has a long mustache. John has a long mustache. It's 12 o'clock, American. Another day closer to victory. And for all of you out there on or behind the lines, this is your song. And welcome, everybody, to our Daily Gun Show. Come to you live every weeknight at midnight Eastern-ish, and we talk about guns for an hour. And tonight, seeing PBR was over on Gun Channel, sent him a link, he's available, and uh, we figured we'd talk sub-guns. I found that cool picture of, uh, I guess it's Soldier Fortune magazine, and used it for the thing today, and uh, we were chatting about it, and uh, sent some links out to old fogies, or if anybody wants to chat, about subguns, uh, let us know on the gun channel side and we'll chat subguns. So this is a show where we get together and we chat about guns each night and like to join in. Uh, like I said, let us know over on the uh, gun channel side. So we got a couple people joining us. Dano jumped in from Illinois. Thanks for joining. Sorry, I had to unmute myself there. Thanks for uh, giving me an invite. Oh, awesome. and then uh, PVR. Uh, jumping from Oregon, Oregon, so it's pronounced. Thanks for joining. <laughs> no problem. So yeah, we were. Uh, I'm trying to figure out how to get this thing to show up. Now it won't. Like I guess maybe if I refresh, I'm trying to get it to like pause. It won't do it. Like to show me the dang image. It won't do it. So uh, how, how many tabs you got open this time? Uh, two. Literally nothing, but it's just that. Uh, see, whenever I refresh over here, it just starts going into the show. Like I can't get it to not go into the damn show. So I'll quit trying, and we'll just look at it on gun channels. So this is that thing. What happens if I do this? Oh yeah, look at that. That works, right? So we were debating: is this a ten or an eleven? So we know it's a Mac. I don't think it's tall enough. It, it could be that the picture is squished, so uh, that could be screwed. I don't, oh, there it is. Okay. I, I think it's. A, I think you're right. It's an eleven because, like you said, it doesn't have the step down the uh, suppressor. Can. Yeah, the can, the forty-five cans like kind of big here, steps down. Now they got. What do you think this is? Tape or paper? It's definitely not a fabric. It looks like they maybe used a duct tape or some kind of tape. Yeah. It's my rigid on their gear here yeah, and on there. I'm thinking like a cardboard disposable tube. Oh, no, no. This is a real can. This is legit. Well, no, I know yeah. the can is. No, I mean just the covering, just because it's white. And you, well, you, you know, what, see, how, see how it's like LBS or whatever back here? That's Alice, right? So canvas. We know what Alice is. So those are canvas. This is old. So this is canvas, not nylon. And that looks like a piece of tape. And then a piece of tape going this way. You see my mouse? And then yep. like a tape on the shoulder pads here. So that's why I'm thinking maybe... Like you three or four pieces of tape. You can almost see like going around here and around here. But the adhesive would burn when it gets really hot. Yeah, that's as exactly well as it doesn't come off easy, it tends to bake itself onto the suppressor. I doubt they care, but no, you're right. It probably would, and it would discolor right away. So maybe it is some kind of fabric. Maybe it's asbestos. It's back in the seventies or something, probably. Yeah, some sort of you know asbestos sleeve. Anyway, kind of neat. I don't know how that guy jammed them. Like, I don't even. These are like gloves for like cutting wood. I don't know how he jammed that thing into that trigger guard. It certainly didn't just fit in there. It had to be some no. sort of a, you know, tension. For the picture, jab. job is you know safety's job three. Now with an open bolt, what happens when you jab a big old glove like that into the trigger of an open bolt? Kaboom! Oh no! 
kaboom a whole bunch of times and that's why they made open bolt <laughs> uh you know not cool but uh yeah he's gonna he's gonna run through that whole mag <laughs> yeah he puts a little bit of pressure that would definitely induce a bump style situation and you'd empty that mag so those things are super fast like like great are you saying that glove should be declared illegal it would be if if trump knew about this image that's why we can't let trump watch our show tonight now here's the next question what is this dude what's going on with this picture what clues do we have to know what this dude is it's beret but i don't know what that flash is it's not green beret it's correct you're definitely correct i'm guessing he's sas Nope. Yeah, the, the other nope. thing that tells me what he isn't, not so much what he is, is the length of his sideburns. Oh, that's a good question. That's that's an excellent point. But again, non-standard grooming practices are standard on special operations units of all types because you have to blend in with your situation. And a lot of times hair length is a cultural thing. You, you're not a man if you don't have hair. So you can't instruct men if you aren't a man, you know. So that's a good point, though. And this is in the 70s when I doubt grooming standards were up to, like, worried about people's feelings and cultures and shit. So this is probably, well, I know what it is, but at least I suspect I know what it is. I put it little so that people could see because every time I hover over it, it screws with it. Um, but I did a little bit of research. But, you know, it's not SAS because anybody who speaks English, our tabs are on the left eye over our left eyes. Everybody else puts their shit on the right. Well, no, nobody really puts it over the right. That's why it was, uh, I'm pretty sure it's uh, French Foreign Legion. Uh, they usually yeah. wear it a little back further, but they're weird. They don't have really the same kind of uniforms as everybody else. They kind of do their own thing. But it, it their, their thing is sort of like a flamey looking thingy with like a ring around it and a thing on the side. And it kind of lines up. It's just that normally they wear it way over on the side of their head. But maybe for the picture or something where just this guy decided to wear it that way. But they wear a green bray and that looks green. It's just that they wear a piece of chunk of metal on it instead of a flash and an insignia, and they put it over their right eye. As well as they don't, you don't <laughs> wear your your dress your your dress cover when you're out uh, in the field. Yeah, Unless you you're do. a green beret. That is not a dress cover. A beret is worn in battle. That's when beret started. Greens beret started okay. wearing them. Is we already not? clarified he's not an American, so he's not a green beret. No, but you're suggesting it as if in this country we don't wear our berets in the field. The berets were worn in the field until 1961, until Kennedy said well, it's not, not your class A stuff. It's not a, a beret is outside the standard uniform, and it wasn't until 1961 that it was even authorized to be worn on a uniform. They would wear it in the field. It was worn in Nam. That's where it came from. But anyway. Yeah, but what if they lost their hat? You don't fucking lose your beret. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's. One other reason, uh, yeah, a lot of armies wear berets in the field, and uh, that's why so many British tankers died during World War II because they all wore berets instead of helmets. Hmm. All right, well, let's talk sub, sub guns. Uh, the Mac. So I, I'm going to assume French Foreign Legion are just rogue carrying whatever they want, right? Trained with whatever. They're not really French, right? Uh, now they have. They're now they're under the the uh, French army, but back then, I don't, there wasn't, I can't remember when they, they, uh, they tried to assassinate the French president, but after that, they got, they got uh, brought under the uh, French army rather than being their own entity. It is a completely unique arm of any in, uh, military that I can think of uh, as far as a current, current modern day, you know, 1900s, uh, 
military where they had a branch that was exclusively dedicated to outside the mother country, never to necessarily serve at home. Well, that's all different now. Right, but I'm saying that that's uh, that's what. But it, uh, like the Germans with their colonies didn't do it. The English with their colonies didn't do it. I mean, they they, they had the British army that would go abroad and do it. The Germans had the German army that would go abroad and do it. Um, but the French had had a different way of doing it. That also had a completely different uh, training, completely different personnel, completely different way of going about it, and it made sense for them. It just, you know, in, in some ways, I'm surprised that other uh, militaries of the world for foreign wars didn't pick up some of the concepts of the French Foreign Legion. Didn't we, though? Didn't, the, didn't we have the Flying Tigers? And didn't we, I know guys who flew in prior to World War II from the United States for Canada in World War II in England? Yeah, but that wasn't American. I mean... American government government gave him the okay to fly in uh, the uh, God, the tigers. China. Yeah, the flying. I'm trying, trying to remember their actual name, but um, they weren't part of the government at all. And I guess part of the reason is uh, that uh, at least as America, you know, we've never been a traditional empire, and therefore we couldn't have an external only military to, to rule over our colonies because we don't have colonies technically. Where France did. That's true. Like the, yeah, literally colonies, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so Mac, where do you guys rank Mac, one to ten? Gen in general, all the all the Macs, I guess, the real ones. Uh, Dano. Uh, it, 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 are we comparing it to other sub guns? Are we comparing it to just open bolt guns? Not open bolt, so let's compare it to other sub guns so that they're in a class of them, you know, with the same, not like against an M16 or something. So other sub guns, where would you put them at? I've never fired one, so I'm going to pass. Okay. I know that's a weak. You can have an opinion, though. We only got three people in here. <laughs> uh, well, you know, it, 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 in some ways, there was a predecessor or two, but it, it was certainly the most prolific uh, style of, of firearm. Uh, that there has been. And that says something all by itself. So, Night Strike, you just jumped in, but you're listening. Where do you throw Max in, uh, as far as sub guns, 1 to 10? Mm, I'm not sure. Wasn't one of them 45 and the other one was like 380 or 9 millimeter? <laughs> all three, actually. Yeah. So, okay. 10. Okay. I I'm down with the 45. Mac, but I don't like the nine millimeter or the three eighty. So one to ten. I don't know which model it is. That's the problem. No, no. I'm saying on a on a scale of one to ten, where would you rank the Max compared to other no, all the models together? All the models together, uh, I give it about a four. Oh. And then what was Daniel's number? I, I didn't give it a number, I, I'll, but I'll, I'll call it an eight. Okay, and then PBR, where are you throwing it back? I've fired one, and I don't know, five or six, somewhere in the middle. Out of the handful of subguns I fired, it was um, not the best, but 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 
caveat, like cool factor, it's way higher. I don't know. There's something about them that is just, even though they're not the greatest, they're really super cool. Well, that makes me want to go grab my picture somewhere. I keep putting this picture up that I got where I took a Mac 10, a full auto 45 apart. Here it is. So, and, PBR, uh, let me ask you a quick question uh, on, on your rating. Uh, how was the muzzle rise on the one that you shot? Uh, excessive? Uh, mild? Um, it's uh, the stock is kind of shitty and and uh, it's not a lot of not a lot to hold on to. So it's not the word. It's not bad, but it's not good. I was yeah. It it, it moves around. It's hard to hit. Yeah, it kind of reminds me, although I've never shot it, but you know, when I look at it, of you know, because I have shot a Glock 18, which See, is like all, all over I, the place. I fired a, a Mac 11. I haven't fired the 10, but I've also fired like a grease gun, and that was like easy. I was just like, oh yeah, super easy to keep on target. The, the grease gun is by far the other extreme of the most controllable, but it's also the slowest cyclic rate of fire. Yeah. It's a ton, 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 ton. It's almost like a buggy going down the road. I mean, right. it, it, it's great for that slow rate of fire, but it, 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 what it loses is its suppressive fire capability because of it. I don't know about that, but... Yeah, yeah. you're crazy. So the Mac, I'm giving it a 10 because it is the pinnacle. It's the awesomest of all subguns. The Thompson is right there with it, right? Because it's the first and it's awesome, also, but the Mac is is awesome. So this is a full auto Mac 10, 45 ACP uh, from Ingram. A friend of mine owns it, and uh, taking it all apart. So there's the lower chassis receiver, I guess, uh, which is just a bunch of piece of metal folded into a taco shape, uh, a couple of pins and a trigger group. Very simple. If I had a down picture, it'd be very very simple. Uh, then a little tube, which is the grip, a little piece of plastic to make it a little bit more ergonomic. It's all wire. The stock is all kind of wire, just feeds in there. This is, again, just some stamped metal with a little piece of trunnion up here that's a piece of milled metal that the little, what, three-inch barrel, two-inch barrel sticks into. And then this giant piece of milled metal is the bolt, and it's an open bolt, so there's just a firing pin, like, over, over here, and the fire control group is what keeps it from just going off every time you load it. Uh, so, yeah, when you think about this, is all the mass of the gun really there's just a little bit of mass right here but the rest of this is like a an empty aluminum can and then this is all the mass and it's going to basically just be sitting in here going back and forth like what three inches or something however long this not even as long as this spring probably by the way we were talking about ak's and here's a gun that needs its buffer in here like this gun will kill itself if it doesn't have that buffer and these expire you have to change them anyway this thing is crazy recoil impulse one of the funnest things about it and it's a challenge just like uh happened i don't know if anybody's played with remote controlled cars like or one of those quad airplane drone things challenge the, the the challenge is to learn how to play with it and master it and shoot it so uh just the experience of the recoil impulse on a mac is awesome uh the fun of it it's you can't shoot a mac and not grin it's just so fun to shoot a little machine like this its rate of fire is massive it's super fast so it just pours out lead like a hose which is super fun, and and you got this little yeah, strap. But times it militarily, can. that's super ineffective. Okay, whatever. We're talking about the gun as far as the gun, though, and there's more than just the military role. Obviously, it didn't fill the ultimate military role or anything, 
but, but that's why it was designed. Gun. I don't care. Okay. <laughs> Does that matter? There's, there's, you got to put the set in setting. Now we're in. I mean, versus a gun that was designed for hunting versus a gun that was designed for competition. I'm saying for what it was designed for, it did not. Do, well, uh, it's not you can put that in your criteria. I'm including the criteria that this is a gun that's got man. It's 100% American. The U.S. Everything about it is U.S. And uh, the history of it is that the gun was made and it wasn't successful. Like you said, it wasn't just you know for what it was designed for. There wasn't appeal, so uh, it never success. It was never successfully financially or as a platform. But it moved on and it had its role. And then it became a culprit of the antis and. And again, it's just a neat little gun, and it's, it's fun to shoot. It's got an interesting history. It's in our culture. It's uh, like an uh, Mac, or like a uh, AK or an M16. You know, it's iconic. It's shape and everything, and uh, they're obtainable. You can get you know, real ones. You can get full, you know, transferable ones. You can get uh, open bolt pistols that are a lot of fun. You can get uh, the semi-auto closed bolt versions now, and now that um, um, I can't think of the name. I'll think of the name in a second. I can't think of it. But uh, you know, the place in Georgia that's making them now has improved them, where they took the bolt carrier off the top or the the carrier knob or whatever off the top, put it on the side so you can start to put optics on top, and uh, the platform's still alive. And you can buy a piece of it as a full auto transferable from the beginning, like literally, maybe even made for military contracts or something, uh, or potentially. Uh, all the way up to you know all the middle stuff of all the variable all the various open bolts anyway so i just think uh, overall i really 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 like it and uh i'm giving it a 10. oh and i'm not saying you shouldn't give it a 10. i was just surprised by some of the things you said because when you balanced it against a thompson which i have fired which actually has a stock and a length of pull so you can actually aim it mm -hmm. and doesn't have a cyclic right rate that's out of control yet it's high yeah, enough depends on which thompson uh the old um i can't remember which model i think it's well the 28 has the uh, it doesn't use the brass anymore i think it was so the 28 or the 21 has a super high cyclic rate well the, i think it's the 21 has the piece of brass in it still and then when they got rid of that piece of brass for during the war or something then or for the easier to make or something then it adjusted all that but yeah. I'm not way, sure which yeah. variation was the one I shot, uh, but it was it was significantly higher than the grease gun, yet significantly, I can't over-exaggerate, significantly lower than the Glock 18. Yet because you could shoulder it and it had that higher rate, you could not only have suppressive fire, but you could have effective suppressive fire. And I say that because it was designed as a military gun in that sure. field. Was it parkerized or was it blued? Um... Honestly, I, I was I was in so giddy I couldn't remember. Oh, you're talking about in Tulsa? Yes. Blued, I'm pretty sure blued. Didn't didn't strike me as a old uh, metal gun. Huh. So it's probably then it's a pre pre World War II then. Oh, I don't think that. No. Okay, no. then it's M1A1. Yeah, it held the drum mag or the stick. So okay, then it's, then it's not. It's not. A, it's not M one A one because M one. The um, it deleted the, the option option to hold the uh, drum. Yeah. So it could be a twenty eight A one, or it could be like a twenty eight. They call it a Chicago typewriter. They call it Thompson yeah. 
Tommy Gunn a machine a Chicago typewriter more than just because the gangsters in Chicago is I think that was part of it but because you could literally write your name with it that was like a thing back in the day you remember the cartoons or like movies and stuff like I don't think of when I think of all the sub guns because the Thompson being the first sub gun sub caliber ammunition in a machine gun uh, sub machine gun um, so pistol caliber ammo in a machine gun it's a huge rifle it's like as big as an M1 carbine almost right. especially with a stock on it and it weighs a ton it's huge it's all milled massive massive heavy gun and shooting a 45 of you know a decent caliber but uh with its but huge bolt again, and everything it absorbs a lot the of that war it was designed to go through was a trench war not a distant yeah. war oh no no i know i'm just saying but i i disagree with as far as its rate of fire now oh, with, okay. it's i don't know if i've at least i don't remember in my recall that i shot a thompson right next to a grease gun i typically don't shoot grease guns i have shot them for some reason i just like max and stuff like that that are oozy or something uh, something positive i do have to say about the mac that i think is i'm going to say uh similar to a glock in in one aspect and i think it's engineering wise is something that's absolutely beautiful and that is the simplicity of the design how few parts this has for being built when it was built uh as compared to other guns that tried to do things like the thompson they had a bazillion parts to it which exactly. also created a bazillion things to go wrong. This one was very simplistic, and the beauty was in its simplicity. Exactly. And that's one of the things I really, really appreciate about it is that it's like kind of like our AK-47 over here. The way it was manufactured and created was with the manufacturer in mind, as opposed to let's design a perfect machine and then figure out how to make it, which sometimes happens. I mean, that definitely changed when... The Industrial Revolution happened, but the Thompson is the beginning of that change, or towards the beginning at least, you know, 1911 or whatever, right? 1909 or something. And, uh, you know, the Mac is 70 something, I think. Right. So I had this picture of the grease gun, pretty similar, really. It's just a tube with a big heavy mass, and it's just a Sten or a mac i guess they're really not that different it's just a big longer tube uh and then a longer barrel and then uh uh really very similar otherwise the the, uh, the, the stamping i guess for the receiver is just bigger so there's more of it right so it has more mass and you can tell the difference in the recoil uh rods there is an indication of how far that that bolt is traveling and that giant mass traveling that much distance you know, it's a slower cyclic rate, you would think. But, yeah, these things are pretty quick. Uh, but now, these things are... Question for, for anyone in the panel, do you know if they modified the weight of the bolt to modify the rate of fire in the... Or was it just simply one or two generations of the grease gun and then they were done? I don't they know. They only have two versions of it. There's the M3 and the M3A1. But they used them from, like, World War II up until... Um, fuck, I don't know. The goal... I, my... One of my sergeants in the army was uh, in the Gulf War, the first one, and he was a tanker. And he said they used to have them, they'd be driving around M1 Abrams with grease guns. <laughs> you know, that was their uh, that was their personal defense weapon. Yeah. Well, well there wasn't, you know, for a lot, number of years, there weren't a lot of American options to fit inside of a tank. There still ain't. What do we got? So we were kind of talking about that off here, and I don't know where we want to go with this. I think we've talked about the cover of that show or whatever enough right we're talking grease gun or we're talking submachine guns and now 
you just brought up something that we kind of talked about with the PDWs, right? So inside a tank, I don't, I don't ever been inside a tank. I'm too big. They probably would never shove me in a tank. I don't think, but you don't have an M16 in there, right? And even a small. Nowadays you do. Yeah, but they usually carry M4s now or pistols. One of the one pistols of the... I can understand, but even an M4, even the smallest AR pistol, really isn't going to work good in a tank. I wouldn't think. Where a grease gun is small enough to at least be, I would think, practical in a tank situation. No. I mean, you're really not using, or you're really not like uh, using it inside. You know, it's just it's for bailing mm-hmm. out. But it's yeah, Red Dawn scenario when the freaking somebody jumps on top of you and is going to try to throw something in your turret, which is BS because you can't just open a turret from the outside, right? Or I mean, a, a flap door or whatever we call them, trap doors. Unless, unless it's uh, not unless you have it secured. But I mean, honestly, yeah, I would just, I wouldn't. If somebody's on top of the turret, I'd just like like open it a little bit and like just drop a grenade and close it. Yeah. I'll get, I'll get them off really quick. You know, I've known tankers over the years, but I never sat down and talked to them about like what I'm assuming they have training for what to do to get people off your fucking tank. Right. Oh yeah. And they got these little things, but I don't know what those are. If those, there, there must be like chafe or some equivalent like on tanks so that then when there's a missile shooting at them, they can try to not get hit. Cause there's always these like little things that look kind of like claymores. Yeah, they have, they have smoke and uh, chaff and whatever. But uh, I don't know. I mean, you could always just drive underneath something low. I'll knock anybody off. <laughs> drive through a car wash. That's not always available. Though. There you go. <laughs> so, uh, Pants is saying, I would totally buy a Mac. I mean, I would totally buy a Mac if I could afford it. So I could put a, a whatever upper on it. And... Oh, the late Lage upper? So that's a nice thing about Macs, going back to Macs. I'm guessing this is what he's talking about. You buy a Mac, and it's, well, last I knew somebody bought one, it was like seven grand for a full auto transferable. They're the, the least expensive, all the NFA items, or one of the least expensive for a machine gun, that is. It definitely be. And the way that it's rebuildable, it can you can still get use out of it. It's not like something that really you're buying an exhausted thing, perhaps. This is yeah. something that can be replanted. picture you showed earlier, it has a lower receiver, basically, and now this guy, uh, I think the company's called Lege or Lege or something like that, and they make a upper that attaches to it to make it um, a little more. I mean, I don't. Know, I, I guess it it uh, lowers the cyclic rate. It uses a magazine that's outside the pistol grip. I think they use Suomi mags. And or Suomi drums. Or I guess there's different versions. I don't know all the details. I've just seen. Uh, the guys from in range use them, but apparently, apparently now they're making one that's going to be rifle caliber. Well, that's weird. Oh, so you mean it's just using the trigger control? Group. It's all all it's using is a trigger control. That's all it's using. Okay, that's something a little different. One of the things that because Macs have been transferable, and they even when before '86 they were just a, an affordable gun to buy. They're stamped and they're neat, and they like I say they're really fun to shoot. It's like driving a motorcycle. You don't drive a motorcycle because it's practical or, I mean, maybe somebody could justify it for like the gas mileage or something, but it's unsafe. So you're really driving a motorcycle because you want to, because it's different than driving a car. You're enjoying the experience of getting from one place to the other. That's sort of what a Mac is, right? It's just another type of firearm to shoot. It's different than a lever action. It's different than a revolver, right? Um, So the things that I've seen for them were to hot rod them back in the days, like 80s, 90s, were uppers that would tweak both 
fast and slow. So you could get a boom, 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 boom kind of rate of fire out of a nine millimeter, put a little, I don't know what is that, like a little, what's that word? So rate the limiter in there. Uh, or they go the other way and chop everything down and make everything lightweight. And man, they just empty a mag. So like Dan was talking about muzzle rise, a, every machine pistol that I'm aware of has a rate limiter. It has to because the cycle rate, whatever the distance is so small, it would just empty the magazine on the way on the first, you know, the first recoil impulse, you would just empty the magazine into your face all the time. Like I'm pretty sure all pistols have that. Um, so they would tweak with the weight of the buffer of the mass of the, uh, they call it the bolt and put different uppers on it. And the uppers looked a little bit different so that they could basically give you some place to hold on to because like I say, some of them would speed it up and then slow it down. And then you'd go to like a big Sandy or just got in the desert. And now when you're blowing through your ammo, you can kind of tweak it a little bit. Sort of like people tweak their cars, I suppose, right? Or tweak their computers. Right. But that's certainly an option because it's such a simple device. I imagine, like you're saying, you can create an upper that can do anything or use any inexpensive or uh, common mag and then use this thing to to shoot it and then you're buying one lower basically one trigger control group that's a full auto registered item and then shooting all different kinds of plat things off that platform i suppose half of its undoing and only half uh, is the fact that it is so simple being open bolt and so reliable as a as a as a as it's in its simplicity is that when uh the antis fully got ahead of it and realized gee uh, we had this unbelievably simple design here. How simple would it be to modify it? And that's was part of its undoing. As far as us in the civilian world. Are you talking about a semi-auto open bolt? Yeah. Yeah, that's a whole other discussion, really, because the open bolts, a lot of them were subguns, but there's other open bolts, I think. And uh, maybe they're not. Maybe they are all subguns or just semi-auto versions of subguns. But yeah, there's some mechanical things about an open bolt that the government did not like, I guess. And I, I think it goes to the simplicity of the mechanical design. So what's everybody's favorite submachine gun you fired? Exactly. I was just about to ask that. So since you guys kind of rated the uh, Mac so low, like you just said, what are we going? So Dano, favorite? Um, Thompson. Okay. Mike Strike? Skip. What? You haven't seen that movie? <laughs> I invited him in before. He's like, I don't know anything about this movie. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? We're not even talking about a movie. No, uh, I haven't fired any sub guns. Not any. Okay. Uh, not any fully auto. You're allowed to fire something you haven't shot, right? Right. All right. Well, if you want to skip, you don't have to answer. So PBR, answer your own question. What are you going to say? Or I guess that's not fair. I'll answer mine. Um, Dude, I really, really like the Mac. I think, like I, I just petitioned it. I think that's still my favorite. I'd have to think really hard. I've shot a lot of them. Uh, we have a guy out here who is just awesome, an awesome, awesome dude. He does uh, Marine foreign weapons with familiarization. So oftentimes he makes his entire collection or like big chunks of his collection, which is impressive, available to friends and people to shoot. And I've had opportunity to shoot a lot of stuff that way. And, uh, so much of it is kind of clunky and a lot of the war stuff was made quickly and inexpensively and like just get it over there and kill nazis already you know so it's 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 got its history and it's got its stuff and its simplicity is amazing 
uh, but they're they're really simple and the new ones i mean h and k's and stuff i want to like them but man the cost and stuff it's like they're not even obtainable so i'm still going to stick with my mac 10 i think I, I think part of the current going to the cost issue is that because they're making it with a customer that has unlimited pockets. H&K, you mean? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, this gun was made to, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting. I've yeah, read yeah. Of stuff Well, because time was of the essence, as well as war materials, steel and precious metals and things like that, were all of needed to hurry up and make a plane, make a ship, make a boat, you know, all, make a gun. Well, when you're um, talking the Sten and the grease gun, yes, but the Thompson was made kind of between before the war, and he was farting around making a bunch of complicated gun. And I suspect the, I think that the Mac was a, a reaction to that overcomplicated Thompson, right? Mm -hmm. And then, so I don't think it was a quick just make something Sten gun. I think it was sort of a, an attempt to make a AK version of the Thompson, you know, wood and metal gun. Mm -hmm. It was simply, how simple can I make it? Oh, you know, sure. It's not a rifle, so it can't be, a, you can't make a mini AK, but how simple can I make it and have it still be reliably, uh, extremely reliable and extremely durable, in which it does both wonderfully? Yeah, seriously. And that's one of the reasons I think it's just such a fascinating little machine. It's like the, a really good power drill or something, like you can do yeah. somewhat. Anyway, PBR 42. Um, uh, I've probably MP5 would be boring, but it was the easiest to shoot. It was the easiest to hit something with. I mean, I've shot a P90. That was okay, but it was just it, that caliber is just awful. And Uzi was pretty cool, nice and heavy, really robust. Easy to control. I don't know. Um, probably, but the MP5 just, of course, is. I don't know if it's my favorite, but it was the best. MP5 is definitely like driving an old Porsche, right? It's yeah. Like tight and it can do everything. It's a little bit like you got to have a muscle still. It's not like all powered and easy, but you could definitely do stuff with it. So it's like 1970s gear. Like, it, but going to the. The cool factor, it, it, I, I put the uh, the Mac way above the you know the the MP5 is a really great tool, but it's kind of soulless. You know what I mean? It's not like a grease gun or a Mac or I don't know, like a Carl Gustav that have like it's a super like you know have a super cool factor, kind of like a mythic you know factor to it. Whereas MP5 is just kind of like you know tool it's not really, it's not really that interesting it's like a lot of cops use the mp5 and like the sas but mostly cops right it's kind of like a foul i shot mine in when i was in the army it was a yeah. uh, i forgot who was using it but we were at the range and they let us shoot them so we're getting answers out there cz scorpion so nice strike went like that it's in 380 you want to say you didn't like 380 so, I, no, I, it's, I in think, it's in 32. Oh, yeah. It's in 32, and I, I like 32, so... I, I like oh, 32 is okay, but 380, hell no. Okay. Yeah. But I'm, a 9mm, hell no! No, no, no 9mm. 32 is okay, and so is 45. I like Gunpowder Gun Beauty's answer. Her favorite is one of each. Nice. <laughs> 
who has adopted the uh the military version of the scorpion nobody russia back in the day yeah okay. nobody really they tried well, to make only it the a, checks they tried to make it a pdw kind of deal but i think it got more use after you know outside of military service with you know uh, rebels and whatnot terrorists I'm just wondering as far as the track record of durability and reliability under hard use. And I'm not saying it does or doesn't. I'm asking. Oh, does it work? Scorpions? No, under hard use in in a war. Sure, because they're still kicking around. I mean. Well, yeah, but but there's a lot of things kicking around that you wonder how these things are left over from World War One just simply because they didn't throw them away. Oh, no, they're hardcore. I've seen them. They're nice, strong. They're like AKs and Macrobs and... Tokarovs, I mean, they're, they're that kind of gun. The, che- the checks make really, I mean, yeah, for the most they're, part. They're more like a VZ-78. Yeah, they're good. Well, we, we are talking about the Scorpion VZ-61, right? I don't know. We're talking about the one that's on my screen. A Scorpion, like that, a real... That's the, that's the VZ-61. Yes. I was thinking of a different model, so never mind. Are you thinking of one of these kind of things, Dano? One of these yeah. New yeah. The new, the new Scorpions. Nobody uses this that I know of except for in TV and movies, maybe. Yeah, that's, I thought it just came out five eight years ago yeah no. i mean maybe some police force over there might have bought it i mean it's made by cz it's a good gun right now maybe it uses the same action so i don't know yeah the vz61 is the uh first scorpion the first uh weapon by that company to get that name because that would have been 1961 the year of my birth um i think there's actually well yeah i don't know when they designed it i don't know the details I'm not uh, sure it was birth date either, so we'll have to do some research. In the 50s, and it was originally the, the Model 59, but they released it and completed it in 61. The year of my birth. Yes. Then we got <laughs> 40. Isn't that what we are just looking at? I oh, know we were looking at a grease gun. It was on a grease gun. Which is in what caliber? 45. 45. There you go. I really, the one I shot was an A1. Which doesn't have that cool little like lever charging handle. I that I don't know what it is about that little like. If you look at them, the difference is the. I mean, there's a couple differences between the M3 and M3A1, but the biggest is they deleted the charging handle and instead you use push, your finger. Yeah, use your finger on this like hole in the bolt, which I don't know. It's kind of like you mean like a grease gun. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. We're talking on a grease gun. They took out like an external bolt. Here, I think on his picture, you can see. Right. Just have I, I fired. I just stick my finger in there to pull the bolt yeah, back. That's the A1. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. The M3 has a has a ratcheting like a ratcheting like lever that you pull. It's like it's not it's not like a normal charging handle. It like rotates. Like it's weird. It's a uh, GG had a picture of one and. Also, the one I fired, unlike the one that, that Eric has there in the picture, did not have a trumpet barrel. Trumpet? Is it uh, a multiple device or whatever you would want to call that? That picture, uh, that's a flash hider. That picture at the top in the red, that's an that's a M3 in the corner. This one? No, the top corner. Go Scroll the way up right there. That's a, that's an M3. You can see the little charging handle lever on the side. And when oh, you, it, yeah, it like rotates. It's it's uh, it's freaking oh it's like cool. a crank or something yeah like you like a crank, you charge it you're cranking it rather than pulling it straight back 
Interesting. It's super then, cool. The difference from visually, this little thingy on the stock is a magazine loader, and you can see it visually. Yeah. It's not on the old ones. No. Huh. The safety is the uh, dust cover also, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Because it's made for, like, people in war and not, like, at the freaking range. If, so anybody, if anybody's really into um, that particular yeah. firearm and wants to see it in a really cool old movie, there's a Steve McQueen movie called Hell is for Heroes, where about a war, it's about me, Eastern Front, World War II, and he carries a M3 grease gun, not the A1, but an M3, and there's parts in the movie where he's cleaning it, and you see him taking it apart. He, d he ends up, like, commandoing his uh, magazines together, you know, it's pretty cool. Lot, lots of lots of uh, grease gun, good shots of the grease gun in that movie. So, what do you guys think of the Nazi grease gun, the M MP40? That's not a uh, well. The, the, the problem about the MP40 is it is a, a submachine gun and it isn't. It's more of a machine pistol because that's what the MP stands for. No, it's a submachine gun. They just yeah. use there's a different I'm terminology. I'm not gonna use some Nazi. Freaking definition. This is the world's <laughs> definition. It's a freaking machine. Well, no, um, yeah. machine they, pistol they is its own class. No. Yeah, and it includes having the magazine come up through the grip, I bet, or at least like controllable by one hand. You need to shoot. Well, they like the Beretta 93 They also called the Sturmgewehr when originally the uh, NMP. Yep. Yeah, they, so you, they, you got you got a point there. They didn't know what the hell to call guns. They were drinking that weird Nazi wine all the time. They just named things whatever they felt like it. You know, they they were drinking beer out of huge beer steins. You know, it's, it's so weird. anybody anybody gonna be an advocate for this one? So be on the YouTube side, petitioned for this one. Anybody shot this one? Meh, I haven't, but no. I'm, I don't know. This is the kind of gun where if it's sitting on a big table with a bunch of other guns, I go to one of the other guns. So I don't think I've I ever. Shot one. I don't think I've ever shot one. I don't know if they've I ever. Have a friend has got three of them. Believe it or not, all three uh, transferable. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's got an insane collection of. Uh, How many millimeters is this? One of them nine millimeter guns? They're all nine millimeter. I think it's thirty two round magazine. I, I got a friend that bought has bought one of those reproduction ones. It's just semi automatic, so. Yeah, it's like Bakelite. The bottom, yeah. the bottom piece of it's Bakelite. It's they're 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 kind of cool, but I've never fired one. Yeah, I mean, it's cool that you can get a semi auto one, but you can't extend the. Uh, you know, the whole, if you get the pistol version, you can't extend the stock, so it's just fixed, so yeah, you know, not my thing. Alright, we can use this little miniature thingy here to be an example. So we've talked about the Mac, which isn't on here, and we've talked about this Nazi one, and we talked about the MP5, kind of. But MP5s, I mean, they're pretty fancy. They're like Legos. You can take out the trigger control group, right, or change yeah. out stuff, and they can be, there's a ton of them, like very short, long and short, three different round, different round, like types of setup, so different stocks like this. Um, I guess rifle calibers even. Are these even H&Ks? I mean, they're not MP5s no, that's, anymore. That's not MP5. That's a... That's a 33 in it. That's a 33 or something along mm -hmm. those lines. What so about a Sten gun? The British? So the Sten is a super fun gun. Uh, when we talked about the the grease gun, it's kind of like that. But uh, That's even Sten simpler. Costs, yeah, Sten costs like six bucks to make, they said, or something like that. They're a tube, and then they like 
added some stuff to the tube, but there's it's very simple. I've heard a lot of bad things about them. They're now, are those uh, pistol they're caliber like, as well, or they're stupid nine millimeter? So uh, wait, are they nine millimeter? Yeah, I think they're yeah. nine millimeter. They're nine millimeter. So uh, they're weird. I gotta get a picture of one in parts somewhere. So the bolt is again huge, huge, giant thing, and then literally nothing else. Nothing weighs nothing in this. It's a little short barrel. And the thing is, it's got that sideways magazine. You know, that's the whole thing about the Sten. And that gives you a different way to hold it. So you're kind of, imagine, you know, when somebody shoots the thing, uh, you're kind of holding it at your waist with one hand uh, and then the other hand on the uh, mag. Almost everybody ends up shooting it, you know, from the hip kind of. And in, like this guy was holding it. So it does make it real easy to shoot it this way. And... Uh, Anyway, it's a fun gun. It empties really fast, and it's a really neat impulse. And these things used to be like the $6,000 range. I don't know where they're at now. There's a, there's a lot of Stens, though. I mean, they made these things. They were $7. They made them in the millions, probably, right? So, so again, if we put the, the grease gun at the bottom as far as slow rate of fire, and and uh, I don't know what we would put at the top as far as excessive other than a machine pistol, where would the Sten uh, fall in line with as far as rate of fire muzzle rise if well nozzle rise there's none it's a nine millimeter a huge bolt it's actually really controllable so as far as speed if one is slow and ten is fast seven it's not the fastest it doesn't empty before you can control it you can do three round bursts with it it's clunky it's super clunky you know it's you can tell by looking at it it's you know you get used to it. it's like riding a bike or something like you get used to pulling the trigger on it and drop in three or four rounds and the way that it it's like dwell or whatever it's cyclic rate you can kind of get the get it, it doesn't take but a mag or two and you're used to it right like you're so, saying they're kind of crude so sometimes you got to kind of hold the mag funny or something because they're old yeah ask but, about the muzzle rise just there. because it seems like there's no material there to keep it from rising it's just because it's just a little weak nine millimeter it doesn't rise very much it's super it's, it's not as controllable as the 45 as a thompson in my opinion okay. because the thompson has a better cheek weld and it's not this goofy thing sticking out the side because you're also like trying to hold this thing up which you're not used to on a gun well, the, the, the the british had this uh the lancaster which was like super freaking nice like it was like our thompson it was like really overbuilt and well made and and then they had the first iteration, which you can see there with the wood stock and the pistol grips. Yeah. And then basically they kept just stripping crap off of it until it was like, you know, bare bones. Six bucks. <laughs> but I've 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 read a I mean I've heard of a lot like British soldiers. I mean they would run away gun all the time. They would like you pull the trigger and it would just keep firing until you let go of the trigger and still the thing would still shoot. And uh actually you know i i, I know i act, there's actually like like really uh well documented case a, a documented case of a sten uh not fire like I, I don't know if it jammed or it didn't fire or what happened but this his sten uh submachine gun didn't work it was during uh operation anthropoid which is the assassination of uh hydric i think his name was um during the uh, world war i think God, where were they yeah, it's, oh, it was yeah the assassination of hydric and they ended up i think they ended up throwing a grenade at him and that like injured him i think that's what happened but yeah the dude the the guy was supposed to shoot him pulled out a sten aimed pulled the trigger and it 
click. That was it. So it was like, I don't know. I, I've they weren't that. I don't know. They they weren't that good of a of a firearm from everything I read and heard from soldiers and whatnot. Mm. Okay, so I guess we were on that a minute ago. We were on that picture. I guess I moved from it. Yes, I, I did. Where I had the this picture, right? So uh, Chris Vector. Anybody shot a full auto Chris Vector yet? No. Really neat. Really, nope. really neat. In forty five ACP. I don't know if I've shot. I don't think I've shot the nine. I think they make a nine, but I've shot the forty five in full auto, and it's it does what it says. It's really neat. It's huge and weird. You know, I'm not saying I'd run around with it, but it is uh, really neat to shoot it in full auto. So it, it's it, Dano's question is: there's no rise. It's it's it just sits there. How did you know I was going to ask that? Because there's like <laughs> map there, and the fact that it looks like some weird Lego gun. It looks weird. I'm not saying that I even love the idea. I mean, it's a neat concept. I wish they'd move from it and take from it and keep going, but they seem to like it. But uh, did it, a it have a super high cyclic rate? I don't remember it being super high. A little fast for a 45, I think. But imagine, well, I don't know. It's a unique, you know, because it's, it's throwing its mass or whatever it does over here. But not as high as the uh, fastest thing I've ever seen, though. I mean, you can definitely do a controllable three-round burst in full auto, which is usually what I used to determine. Like, if you can pretty quickly burst it, then that's the kind of trigger and that's the kind of response that you want from a full auto because you're never really pulling in full auto. You want full auto so that you can drop a couple of rounds real quick if you need to. And like what Dan was saying, suppressive fire or something, but you're not even nobody's just suppressive fire in like a whole magazine. That's ridiculous. So uh, what makes it like a Sten is like kind of a kind of like riding a weird bicycle, like, you know, some odd bicycle your grandma had or something, you know, and you have to like kind of get on it. You know how a bicycle works, but not this bicycle. Like the pedals are all weird and the tires are wide or something, you know, and you're like having a struggle to get on it until you figure it out and then it's no big deal. The MP5 is not like that. Like it's just super responsive. Like boom, you let go of the trigger, it's right there and there you go. But with the Sten, let's say, or one of them old World War II guns, you let go of the trigger. It kind of takes until the next cycle of the bolt for the trigger to pounce back on you. <laughs> like, you know, it has yeah. to finish the process in order for the trigger to not be. It's also it. um, closed bolt versus open bolt, which is makes a whole, whole bunch of difference. Yeah, the, yeah. I, I, I found the, the grease gun to be almost difficult to control because you would press and you would almost want to, like, lift up the bearable, like, what's wrong with the gun? It's not firing. And then, boom, it would go. <laughs> And that's the other thing, kind of like turbo versus, I don't know, the other kind of car things that make it go fast. Like turbo requires the air to go through or something and then compact and then go. So it'd be like you turbo, put turbo, turbo it takes a minute, right? So it's sort of like that with, with triggers, right? Or with uh, types of, I guess, actions. I don't know what that's called, the type of. It would be like turbo leg would be like the open bolt where you have a like a brief moment of time before it actually gets going. But I, I don't know. I've, I've fired a lot of open bolt weapons and it's it's almost imperceivable i mean there is a second but it, i'm not a second it's like it's there it's just not there on an h and k let's say or well anything. yeah on, on the grease gun it it i mean i mean it was it was unbelievably noticeable even when other people were firing it let alone when i fired it myself and then you let off the trigger but it's got to complete the stroke so boom there's another one coming out 
Exactly. That's the kind of thing. You're used to closed bolt, so I'm going to stop pulling the trigger, and it's going to stop shooting. Except on an open bolt, it's got to finish its cycle. Right. Yeah. And um, being slow, you notice the time difference between, gee, my finger's off, but it went boom a half a second later. So we got the iconic Uzi. Nobody shot an Uzi full auto before? I have. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I really like them. I would put it in higher in my list, but for two things. it's There's 45 Uzis, but, man, they're heavy. Like, they're super heavy, and they're kind of clunky. I like them, but, you know, for me, they're, like, more like on that range, maybe like a 7. And a lot of that is history. Not a lot of that is the gun. I mean, the gun is that is good. And I like it and everything, but it's just old, so it's just too. It's like a Thompson. It's it's it does its job. It's a well-made, strong gun, but it's heavy, old. So so PBR, since you fired one before, and we've talked about various attributes of any uh, um, submachine gun. What are the aspects of that Uzi that that you felt made it between good and really excellent? Just well built, you know it. Okay. Even with the folding stock, well, it's it's yeah. reliability. It's a decent. The stock is not great, but it's better than like any a other. Lot of them. It's the best folding stock. Well, no, those mini Uzi folding stock I think is stronger, but it's you know it's around for twenty or something years before that. So I mean, honestly, like if I had one, I'd probably ditch the folding stock and put the wood stock on it, just for. You know, just for uh, because you know, just for controllability and whatnot. But I don't know. I liked it. It's just and like uh, G just said, you know, the the uh, history is pretty awesome too. Okay. Well, well, there's a difference between uh, like I love the history of a lot of World War One and two guns, but that's different than, than than me loving the gun separate from the history. Versus it, it low muzzle rise, yet yet uh, a, a, an acceptable rate of fire, yet extremely reliable and durable in the field. I can strip it down if, if it's all encased in mud and that Iraqi kind of sand. It's almost like dust particles that gets in the freaking everything. And I can I can rinse it off. I can re-oil it. I can put it back together, and it's going to run near as near to 100 percent as, as any gun can. Well, that's the thing. Most every sub gun was meant for that. They all were built to that spec, right? I mean, there's not like a recreational or like a hunting version or yeah, but 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 they don't all necessarily reach that level of reliability. Okay, like they didn't attain it. I was just right. saying they're kind of built. They, they were supposed to, sure. And any war gun is supposed to, but that's they don't, <laughs> or some don't. It's got a pretty slow rate of fire too, which makes it easy to control. I never fired the mini or the micro. Like the mini is the one he's showing right there. Yeah, I think is, the, yeah. the mini is cooler to me. I just it just looks cool with that stock. But uh, I think the, that would be for sure. Yeah. I think I think they have a higher rate of fire. The mini. I know the micro has a crazy rate of fire, but the mini um, it might have a higher rate of fire. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I mean, believe I, the mini love... would be like a ten. Like the Uzi itself, seven, but the. the mini the one in the medium size uzi oh man that's like one of my dream guns it only there's also, second sorry. only to the man but and there's also that badass fucking photo of the secret service uh yeah Reagan. Dude, like rip yeah just whipping it out of this uh the suitcase 
That's such a cool. Fo- that's just such an iconic photo. Is, is that the Reagan assassination one? Yeah. Yeah. Assassination attempt. Oh yeah. Yeah, that guy's that guy's machismo blocked like you know the bullet deflected it. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the three of them compared, and they're all awesome, really. The minis are, or the macros or micros, I guess, are super cool. Uh, but these are the best for sure. It's a decent gun, and it's awesome and perfect size carry. I, I would be curious to see what the weight difference is between the the Uzi and the micro. Because I bet, oh, or the mini, excuse me, the mini. Um, I bet, I bet it's a lot. I bet it's a lot better in that smaller, that smaller size. Oh yeah. Oh, so let me better. ask a question here. It's a variation of a question, G Webs. I think you answered. You asked everybody already, and you asked, "What was your favorite gun?" My question is going to be, uh, if if you had to go to war tomorrow, and you separated the history. Uh, from including guns that are currently available today, what would be your sub gun of choice? Including, well, modern, then, um, we missed two, I think. Uh, wait, I was missing that picture. We were missing something. What was on that damn picture? I lost that picture now. There was a, there was a, that Heckler and Koch, um, is that that one over here that was like a pistol-looking thing with a big... Yeah, the P or whatever. I can't remember what it's called. It's... But then you had also mentioned shooting the P90. That's oh, yeah. Uh, P90. Shot. Has anybody shot a semi-auto P90 yet? No. PS90, I, I guess. So the we're no, we, know, we know what we're talking about, though, right? I guess I'm still on yep. the internet. Yep. So uh, that gun, is it a sub gun? Uh, I, if you, I mean... Depends on who you ask. I mean, I, mean, I, I, I hear people calling it a personal defense weapon instead. Right, of, and, and for the purposes of my question, I'll include uh, if it has a, let's say, a mid-power cartridge in it, but form factor-wise, it's still sub-gun size. So just to let's hit this one because that's when we were looking at that little thing. I noticed that this one was missing, and I don't know anything about those others. And the other guns on that little mix weren't sub guns they were rifles so uh this one though if we consider it a sub gun because it's not a rifle even though it wants to look like a rifle cartridge it's a little puny a small bullet smaller than anything else right you know rifle wise so it has to be a pistol i would think and they do make pistols that shoot it uh and it's definitely not you know it's a machine gun so uh nobody's shot one of these semi-auto yet even no another one i fired was the real thing Oh, you did shoot a full auto one. Yeah. Okay, Daniel, you never shot a semi version of this. No, I haven't. Okay, so have you ever? Have you guys ever fiddled with one of the gun shop and shouldered it and like just gone through the uh, manual of arms with it? Uh, just to just to shoulder it, not not to cycle it or anything. Okay, so it's. I mean, I really. I mean, I don't like like the gun that much, but I like the gun a lot. It is just the coolest thing ever. It's Omni whatever everything's on both sides the weirdness of it and everything is totally unique but pbr when i mean you've shot it i mean it's amazing it, it shoots like a squirt gun or like a yeah, it's gun or something it's a high rate, recoil. Yeah. high rate of fire with a little very little recoil and a big magazine but oh, i don't know I, it was cool but it i i wasn't that impressed you know it there's something about it just it was weird. It was kind of. It was almost weird how um, mundane it was. It was just like, 
it's like them an amazing scooter like wow if i was going to get a scooter that's the scooter i'm getting but I'm not yeah a scooter <laughs> like i'm not looking for a scooter exactly the caliber isn't very impressive unless you get the whatever that ammunition's called for the bullet the armor piercing but even then i don't know it i don't know i Sorry, it was a long I, time ago. I'm trying to remember. It's not considered a, a bullpup, is it? I don't know what you consider that fucking thing. It's like a cross between a subgun and a bullpup, technically. Because yeah. it was my first impression, and the guy didn't say anything to me. He just said, "Yeah, yeah, you can, you, you, you can shoulder it." And I put it up, and I was, I thought it was a bullpup, so I'm not sure whether it is or not. But that was my first bull impression. Pup. And it's it what I. Pup. I'm sorry. Go ahead. It is definitely a bullpup. There's no question. It's a bullpup. Yeah, I guess okay. I guess it is feeding from behind the trigger group. Um, but what I didn't like about it was, and it's a psychological thing, was suddenly the, the the working parts of the gun that go backwards and forwards were a whole lot closer to my face, or at least I felt they were. Oh yeah, and but I didn't like that feeling. And if you open it, a heck of a lot of it's plastic. Like Bob gets concerned about the receiver on a Glock. Like there's chunks of that gun that are normally not plastic that are plastic, right? The weird, the thing that. The only thing that really tripped me out about it was the fact that rounds have to make a 90-degree turn in the magazine. <laughs> I think that's part of the coolest. It's like shooting. It's the closest thing to Starship Troopers there is. No, it's cool, but, like, I always want, you know, the magazine being, you know, sometimes a weak link on a, a firearm. It tripped me out that the magazine had, like, you know, working like actual more than just a spring and a follower. It had like working pieces inside of it. And that I hear you. Know, you. you bang around a magazine too much. You know, you're not taking care of your shit, and suddenly you're you got jam factory going on. I knew people that uh, owned them, and two of the guys they weren't the full owners. They were, but they were SBRs, so they were little PSP nineties or whatever, I guess. And uh, the neat thing about that mag is because they're perpendicular. 50 round mags so in uh, actually a smaller mag pouch than an AR mag pouch you can have a hundred rounds of that tiny little rifle ammo and then uh, the one guy was search and rescue or whatever you call it like going out on his horse and looking for people that were stranded out in the desert and whatnot and whenever you know they were in the areas where you'd bring it they brought sidearms so for him it was like the perfect little PDW right it was kind of made for somebody on horseback who probably will never need it but if you need it you got something more than a rifle and uh, never heard any issue about at mags or anything. So, I mean, not like he was rolling around doing operations or anything, but some amount of real work with one and uh, no issues. And we definitely shot him a lot. And a lot of people slam those things, you know, so they get kind of abused a little bit. It also kind of reminded me a little bit of what you would want in the perfect carnival gun. You want something a little odd looking, a little unique, a little weird looking. That's interesting. I was going to suggest that it's it if there was no nfa and we could just play and i would assume by now they would have come up besides something besides lead it's less expensive and less toxic that we could shoot you know cheaply uh old steel or something right and exactly if it was if it was just like full autos because they're not practical for almost anything except for having fun and they're super fun and they're super practical for having fun so p90 Seems like if that ammo was inexpensive, like 22, or if you could make a 22 version of it, I guess that's a calico. But, uh, you know, that kind of a weird-looking, high-capacity, fun gun to shoot, yeah. I mean, that would be a fun 
I could see that being like a Celtic type of thing where people mod it out or a, I guess a Ruger type of thing where people buy different stuff for it and trick it out in different ways. The, uh, the P90 I got to shoot was uh, from Federal Protective Services. They use them. And uh, it was kind of hilarious seeing it in their patrol car because it's such a small. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. You, you know, when you see a patrol car used to like the shotgun or the rifle in the fucking, you know, in the rack. I mean, you know what I'm talking about, G. You have a cop car. Yeah, it looks yeah. like it's but missing like, gun yeah, or something. You get, like, you get this little, little thing. It's just like clipped in there and it's like tiny. Made like I don't know. It looks like a, a Betamax tape or something, like sticking out. <laughs> I don't have any experience with this one. Uh, Pants was saying the UMP. It's an H and K UMP. I guess it's the newer MP5s or something. It's a uh, straight blowback, no roller delayed. I think it. I don't know if it fires from a closed or open bolt, but it's like it shares nothing in common with MP5 other than it kind of. If you squint hard or drunk, it looks like one a little bit, but okay. it has nothing in common. It's all plastic, but yeah, the the no roller no, no roller delayed blowback, all that shit. Yeah, but you know when Uncle Gov is paying for everything, you can start from scratch every single time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess. And H and K is going away from like you know roller to the label low back because it was expensive and hard to do and so now all the rifles are like more standard where they used to be like different but almost by principle now they're kind of like falling in line with everybody else. All right, well that was what I wanted to accomplish so that Dano could ask his question and then we could potentially fill in. I mean we talked about the. P90, which is technically a, uh, dang it, what was the damn word again? Uh, PDW, personal defense weapon. Thanks. So there's others, right? Which is now an intermediate, is it a mean intermediate cartridge in a small package, or does it just mean something rifle and a pistol? Well, I, I guess on the civilian side, what I'm actually seeing as products are pistol caliber, very short rifles. That's what I'm thinking, like pistol caliber, well, they're not short rifles, they're pistol caliber, pist the rifle caliber pistols, right? So like the, the Ruger uh, camp rifle that they brought back that's a 9mm. Oh, no, you're calling that a PDW? That carbine? That br that break-apart one? Yeah, I would call that a carbine. That's a, that's a carbine. Rifle. The other that's one's a M right? I got it. It's the HK MP7. That's the other one. They're basically like they try to get the like they try to get the much most the largest velocity out of the smallest round and put it into the smallest uh, package. So you're trying to get as much velocity out of a tiny package as possible. It's basically well, that's what it is, right? It, it's capacity and velocity, which means narrow bullet basically versus, yeah. uh, I guess slowness and roundness from back in the 45 and then they were like transitioning to it with the nines going narrower and more capacity but this is like the ultimate you have to get a rifle amount of powder behind there or at least more powder behind there to get it to go fast right and then yeah. like you say shove it into a little compact package i also got the idea that it's for like tanks and i don't know anybody that works inside i guess where 
you might need to be in in fight, but you're probably not, right? So having a rifle and setting it down all the time is stupid, but you need more than a pistol probably, right? That's what a PDW is for. It's like somebody jumping in out of a tank or somebody running in out of some weather station or I don't know what the hell, the hell we're oh, driving yeah. to do. So yeah, are you defining it having a rifle caliber or a pistol caliber? I think it's intermediate, like it's, an AK. It's not either. It's it's like a it's a small high velocity. It looks like a okay, like a, a five, two, five, two, six, three or a seven six two by thirty nine. But imagine it shrunk down. I don't know. The, well, I mean, would a crank be a PDW? Uh, Jesus, sure, I guess. I bet anything could be. I mean, that's what the M, uh, the the M one carbine was supposed to be. Kind of was, but it was just so long that it's not really a. But the caliber-wise, it would have been... Oh, hell, it's compact compared to a grand. <laughs> well, and if you look at the folding stock paratrooper M1 carbine, now that's probably closer to PDW, right? Yeah, except for it sucked, but yeah. If you ever, if you ever uh, messed around with one, they're awful. Look, so there are manufacturers saying that, that they have PDWs, and basically they're an AR and 9mm. Okay, well, everybody, anybody can say anything they want. Well, right, now, and that's why I just want to clarify what we're talking about because I'm not sure what we're talking about. Well, it's for intermediate distance, also, right? So it's for somebody who might need to engage, not at distance, but at like longer than pistol distance. So I think a part of a, an aspect or a characteristic of a PDW is a stock. So if you can take an AR pistol or an AR pistol and shoulder the brace, then that's in effect a PDW. Right? I don't know. That's just a short barreled rifle. Uh, the PDW thing didn't really come about like the name that name that I know of until the MP7 and the P90. Yeah, the P90. Because but... the and the MP7 has also got a create like, a weird little neck down. Like if you look at the cartridges, they're like small, like neck down. I don't even know what to call them. Like you can't really call it. It's not really a rifle round. It's not really a pistol round. So those are the only tr two true that I know of. PDWs, and that—that's kind of where the name came came from. Like, yeah, the the caliber of the uh, the uh, HNK MP7 is a uh, is 4.6 by 30. So, I mean, that's a weird little freaking bullet. But you, I mean, you can call anything a PDW, just like you could call, you know, the MP40 a machine pistol. You know, you can. Pretty much call anything anything you want, but it doesn't make it so. A lot right, of I just went for the purposes of our discussion. So then let's go back to your question that we were kind of prefacing all this with, and I stuck the PDWs into. So you were saying which one would you grab and go with today? Yes. You run into an armory, you've got all the options in front of you with fully loaded mags and all the kit. Which one are we grabbing? So we go backwards. Uh, damn. If I had anything in front of me, I'd probably go with the, the medium Uzi, the mini Uzi. It's nine millimeters, so you get ammo anywhere. Mags, I'm screwing myself on mags because they're stupid old-fashioned goopy mags, but I'm hopefully grabbing as many as I need. And... Uh, I think it's a solid little gun. It has the disadvantage or the advantage of being lighter than its big brother, but uh, and it's a Uzi. It's like one wars and stuff, right? It's a freaking Uzi. That's what I'm going with. Uh, so then PBR.
I don't know. I guess in in real life, probably a MP5A2. If it was Red Dawn, Carl Gustav M45, because that'd just be cool as shit. <laughs> <laughs> but you. you know, the Cold War's over, so. Nice trade. You know what? I'm gonna just say probably the Thompson. If uh, if it's a Red Dawn thing, the Thompson. Uh, if it's modern, probably I would go with. I wouldn't go with the MP5. I'd go with something probably like something like the the, the VC61. <laughs> no, you, get, you went you went from something from the fifties and then something from the fifties. <laughs> no, something so, something from the the forties. No, something from the World War One and then something from the Cold War. I'm seeing, Why like, not? Why not? There was a period of Bugs Bunny. There's like a series of Bugs Bunny where the bad guy is a gangster. So I'm seeing <laughs> Nightshake in one of that in that gangster cartoon guy's hat and this Thompson gun, like. Oh, I believe it. Don't don't joke about that. Did you Please. say cartoon what? Dano, what are, are you going to answer that? Uh, I I would say I, I'm going to give you a split, kind of split the the baby here right in half, and it's ugly, but it's going to have to have to happen. Of the guns I've shot, I'd have to go with the Thompson. Oh, uh, but I haven't shot a lot of the guns. Jesus. I've heard a lot of good things, so I'm going to put a little faith in uh, somebody that I like and I have faith in, and that's. Uh, a Paps Blue Ribbon, and go with the full-size Uzi. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't think you'd go wrong with an Uzi, man. I mean, an Uzi. Yeah, no. it. It's just super heavy. I mean, seven pounds. It just seems well, dense. It's not yeah, heavy. but they're, they're, they're it's picking got like, the sling. They're it's picking like well, a 12-pound. Oh, no, yeah. tw it's lighter than a 12-pound Thompson gun. Yeah. yeah. And it's way shorter, and it's practical. And, and, like, you know, and it's got a collapsible stock. How many ARs weigh less than seven pounds? Mine. Well, no, it's better than an AR for the role we're talking, right? I right. Think so. Well, I know. I'm just using it as a point of comparison. Also, PBR doesn't stand for freaking Paps Blue Ribbon. Hey, in, 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 <laughs> the world, in the 1970s, when I grew up, it stands for Paps Blue Ribbon. Anno lives so close to Wisconsin. Like, that's I'm, not gonna even, I'm not going to even go into the fact that it's a reference from a movie about Vietnam. <laughs> And and that's okay because I don't want to know what it stands for because it might be something personal and I might accidentally let it out. So patrol boat river. That's what it stands for. Okay. No. Oh yeah, driving the boat up the boat up river in. Uh, no, this is what it stands for right here. That's oh, what it yeah. stands for. It gets right, right, Dano. I'm right yep. there with you. PBR. Right there with you. All right, whatever. Moving on. It existed long before Vietnam. I want to watch you guys like freaking breathing heavy, trying to carry your freaking twelve pound Thompsons up a hill. I'll be up there laughing with G. <laughs> I dropped it. I, dropped it. I, I, love it. I don't have a stock. There's slings. I'll use slings. This fine. is the payback I get for putting faith in you. I just want you to realize that I'm recognizing this debauchery. He's talking about Night Strike, not you. So. uh Pink said, if Dana went to the bullpup shoot, which is in Illinois over by Iowa, uh, you could have shot the PS90. So, uh, Why is Pink in here? He's an old dude. Yeah. I have a link to Pink. I'm pretty and, sure and, I have Pink. And I do have to say that I held one at a gun store prior to the one that was here two, year, two years ago, and uh, I didn't care for just holding it. Which one? 
the uh, PS90. Oh, yeah. Now, it was not full auto. It was a semi-auto, but... Oh, it's goofy, and it takes a little time. It definitely... I didn't like it until a f- couple of friends of mine owned the short barrel rifle version so we could play with them out in the desert and shoot steel. But that it's experience me. turned me off to, to uh, bull pups in general. Oh, no. I can show what you. What are we holding it upside down, getting freaking ammo in the face, or cases in the face? What are we doing? <laughs> so, I mean, that's I'll actually... Take a barrel rifle any day of the week. That thing is almost the nice... I could. I would have to think, but I think it might be the nicest bullpup uh, to shoot, really. It was... Yeah. I didn't realize it ejected out of the pistol grip until I almost got a handful of... Uh, or a pocket full of brass... <laughs> so, uh, yeah, going off of what Pink said, if you went on to the bullpup shoot, so that is a once a year thing uh, put on by, I think, Manicor Arms, and at least they are a big part of it. Uh, and then they have an open kind of uh, meet and greet. You can hang out and see the vendors that participate in produce, you know, making the thing possible. And it's at a really nice range in the middle of nowhere. And you go down the hill to uh, where the line is, the firing line. It's more than one, I think. And uh, you could shoot. I didn't go down to the firing line and shoot, but uh, Pink did. And a uh, uh, really cool place, really, really cool place. But uh, in addition to that, we've talked about in the past going on some sort of vacation when we talked about airplanes or boats or whatever we were talking about in prior shows. Um, would you go to a Vegas or somewhere similar? Because I'm sure there's more than that now. I know there's some in Florida and there's others. But would you go to one of these not just a range with rental guns, but like the kind of place where they have so many fancy rental guns that you buy like a package. And for like, let's say 200 bucks, they're going to give you a mag out of six or eight different sub guns. Is that something you'd go do or would you spend the money elsewhere? If it's going to cost you something like, let's say probably realistically 200 to $50, 200 to 250. Would you pay for that opportunity to shoot? I don't know, six to ten sub guns, or would you pass? I've done it, and I do it again as long as I had some guns that I had not shot before. Honestly, I'd rather. If I don't know, I'd rather. There's I have bucket lists that I haven't gotten to handle yet, and I'd rather just have like instead of six to ten, I'd rather just have like six to ten magazines with the one that I you know I've been looking for. Oh, that's a good thing. So if you but still, you'd you'd pay to do that. You'd, you'd oh hell yeah. yeah! I'm way. I, like I said earlier, I, like Carl, I really want to fire a Carl Gustav M45 because it's like the Navy SEAL submachine gun from Vietnam. I mean, it's, I don't know. It's a really ugly but cool, uh, cool uh, firearm, and it's one of the ones I really want to get my hands on. I'd love to shoot the Uzi and the the, the Max series and uh, probably a third one that I'm not thinking of off the top of my head, but yeah. Um, And then Night Strike. I want to shoot them all. Somebody uh, was there. uh, I I, I was there when uh, Dano shot the grease gun. I did do a video of that. Uh, so check check that out if if you want. Yeah, uh, it cost you guys two hundred dollars to shoot there that day, did it? No, but I I wanted to shoot some guns, but the problem was I was on a budget. I mean, like a super tight budget. So 
you know, I couldn't uh, I couldn't shoot any of the uh, the full autos. I can't remember for sure, but I want to say it was it was either twenty, twenty five, or thirty dollars for a twenty round mag. Does that sound right? Yeah, it was it was about that. I couldn't afford that. Okay, I mean, that's not too bad. I thought you because you didn't shoot much, and if you if you really shot paid two hundred dollars for that, I would have been like what? But you didn't pay that much then. But remember, we also did regular regular shooting because a lot of other people brought guns and whatnot. So, you know, I got to shoot a little bit anyways, but, you know, I didn't bring anything with me on the plane. And this next time, I'm hoping that if I do go to Wanamaker and we do do another range day, I should I, – I, I am going to bring some guns. So, Right on. Pomade is saying at Knob Creek, which is the – big machine gun shoot that's held in Kentucky and it's uh exposition shoot to some extent like hobbyists and gun owners bring their guns and I don't know how they deal they probably rent space on the firing line to shoot together like that and it's uh, been going on for decades probably uh, they'll get together and they'll shoot and there's bleachers from what I understand or at least there's spaces for spectators to watch you know the goings-on of a bunch of people that own fire uh, machine guns really uh, to just blow away a you know, bunch of stuff out in the field in the middle of Kentucky. So um, he's saying at Knob Creek, there were uh, rental guns between $25 and $35 a mag. Then they then offer a two mag package at a discount rate. Two mags in the uh, lower end were $40, so you got like $10 off. And uh, the others were... Uh, well, something, you know, you get some kind of discount for buying multiple mags. So uh, there's that kind of opportunity to kind of shoot a bunch. But then now it's weird. It's not like what Dano and Nightstrike are talking about. At that point, we were at a range where I don't know if if uh, if uh, PB, uh, P226, not if he rented that bay or if he just had privileges to it because he's a member. But we basically he had privileges to it. So we just had this bay that, you know, they might use for training or for some competition if they were doing a, an event there. But, you know, there's nobody there. So we were just using or you guys were just using this bay. And then uh, one of the people who's affiliated with the facility came out with their, I don't remember if it was their private collection or if it was the property of the range. But basically they brought out rentals for you guys to choose from in the back of a pickup type of situation. You didn't have to go, like, pick them on a wall, right? They just brought them out to you. No, no, we, we went, actually we went, went into the vault and picked. and picked. Oh, I missed all that. I wasn't there for that. So that's kind of neat. So they just had a big assortment. You go in there, you point at the ones you want to shoot. They oil them up yep. and take them out. They, you, know, you point which one, and then you just tell them how many rounds of 20 do you want, because that's how they do everything in rounds of 20. And that's also the, the, an easier way for them to figure out how much to charge, because, again, I forget how much it is, 20, 25, 30 times however many mags you want. Now, Pame, do you remember how many they were putting in the mags at Knob Creek? Were they full capacity, 30-round, whatever, 35, whatever mags? Or were they, like, at a set rate? It makes sense to make it 20 because it's probably like a box. So did you guys feel like it was worth the experience? Here, I'm, I'm going to screen share for a second. You're going to screen share, huh? Yeah. You're talking about the, at um, – These, are, these oh. are some of the guns that were in the vault. They let me take pictures. Oh, nice. Yeah, and that's only one part oh, of the wall. Could you that's possibly, only one wall. Could you possibly flip through them faster? <laughs> oh, great. Now it's over. So I don't know what the hell that big one is. That's what? The, you, that one? 
Yeah, that's and it's go. and there's two levels: a lower level and an upper that's level. Is that a dishka? I'm gonna have a seizure. No, that's a that's a. Oh, it is. I think. Yeah, it's a dishka. And then it's got an AK something or another next to it, and then it's got I don't know because so and so can't. It looks like a. Nice Strike doesn't know how to hold down the control key on his keyboard and use the scroll feature of his mouse in order to zoom the photograph. That's a, enhance. Enhance. Looks like a two. That's a two forty, but not the two forty. It looks like the uh, whatever the British the FN European version of it. Um, maybe no, that's not a two forty. I don't know what that is. I'm guessing that wasn't a twenty round mag shooting through that. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Yeah, and uh, some of the mags were uh, either awaiting a part or two or awaiting a cleaning. They had been used, so they weren't ready to be re-rented yet because uh, they take them apart and clean them each time. Yeah, that probably makes a lot of sense. Those aren't guns that you just go buy spare parts at the M16 store or whatever. Right. Yeah. And now it's they, the opposite. They, now he won't move the picture. There's like three guns in that picture. We talked about all of them. Okay, here we go. Bunch of AKs. Oh, this is further down that same wall. It looks like. Oh no! No, it's it, it's, it's before. It's before because you can see you can see the uh, the handlebars uh, on the or not the handlebars, but the. But he refused to take a full first. picture of all the guns on the upper rack. Yeah, <laughs> and the racks I were on the left and the right hand side of the room, is, just not on the one side. There were so many people in the damn vault. I couldn't do that. How weird is it that they got their stuff muzzled down? Is that just me, or does that seem super weird to you? Oh yeah, and that it gun that, is that, a bit weird. That gun I thought was a, I can see it now. The gun I thought was a 240, which is not uh, the, the PKM. Mm -hmm. You can see it right there. You can see the stock now. Yeah, yeah. they they did have a fair assortment of what what to me is foreign guns. I would have shot that PKM. I know. Did you guys shoot it, and it wasn't really a PKM, or did you guys specifically choose the one that wasn't a PKM? I don't know. Or no, it was an RPD. There was like one that looked like an RPD or something, and then it wasn't. It was some weird version before a RPD or something, he said. It was one of those automatic shotguns, but it was missing a piece, it looked like. Oh. On the last, not this one, but the last. It's uh, so it, Those it, are it, the only pictures I've got. Go back one, um, whatever that last one was you went to. This one? Next, there, you can see it. That not that that full auto shotgun right there? But it's oh, like no, that's a that's a USAS oh, that, twelve. That's that Korean, yeah. Oh yeah, USAS twelve. USAS twelve with just the upper though. Yeah, Weird. But like you say, why would you take it apart? But who who knows? Uh, maybe they might only own a piece, maybe they only own a piece of it. Yeah. You know, sometimes if you come yeah. across something, you're like, hell yeah, I'll buy thirty percent of that gun. <laughs> in fact, that's right. That's one. The room it's in is one of those vault rooms. In fact, what you're looking at is the frame of the vault door yeah. on the left hand side. Oh yeah, night strike. Like ninety percent of the rest of the pictures are just like the specs of the door yeah. and like the combination and like this, where the security cameras are. <laughs> no, not at all. I didn't want to get in trouble. No, that's pretty cool though. So I'm glad you guys. I'm glad that look at all those M16s that they didn't choose, and I'm proud of them. They all picked wooden guns with metal on them and stuff. But that's cool. because I so, shot plenty of those M16s before, and so, I needed to shoot something well, different i didn't even, know i was going to get the rent machine guns but all them other people also decided yeah let's go shoot something else so that was cool yeah. well yeah well but, I, was but gee, I had plenty of time to shoot that stuff the, the first gun john z fired when we were at this range was one of those m16s 
Oh well, I didn't get there till the end, so I didn't see that. No, you're right. I forgot that 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 he was that he was there, and he did get to shoot the machine guns. Yeah, and the first the first gun he he fired in his life was the M16, and you know that that I thought that was pretty cool, considering you know he's from New York. You don't there you can't. It's hard to get guns there, you because know, he lives in the city, and he got to fire an M16 first. Is it legal? To talk, cool. Is it legal to talk on the internet about a New Yorker having fun with a firearm, even if it wasn't another state? Probably. Not. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to. We'll have to talk. Talk to I Rob. Hope we get him in trouble. So Pants is saying he's actually heard it's best to store wooden stocked guns muzzled down so that oil doesn't drip back and soak into the stock and eventually turn it into wood mush. Anybody heard of that? No. I've never heard of that. No. I mean, for long term, that might be a thing. But I can tell you from some of the guns I've seen that have been in like long, long term storage, they're the, the stock and the barrel are taken apart and then stacked separately. I don't know if that has something to do with that. I don't know why they would, because they had wooden gun, they had guns with wood stocks that were the other way around. So it might be some indication of what needs to be cleaned or what's ready That's, to Yeah. Yeah, that's the probably status it. of what there's could be multiple, multiple people using it. Yeah, it's like a you know status. Um, who knows? Yeah, it's probably inventory control or something. Um, what was I gonna say? Gun shop of the day. Um, I think we just saw it. <laughs> that was a range, so I guess we can talk about that range. So if you're in the Tulsa area, north of town, there's a public range, I guess, that you can... It's you can not a there. police station. Well, that's a whole other thing. So then uh, you can go in there, though. You don't have to be a member, in other words. You can just go in for the day and pay to shoot and use the range, right? You don't have to be a member of the club. I'm not so sure. And maybe we got a discount because we still paid because uh, we were with a member. But I don't know if the general public can just go straight in. Well, that's interesting. So I don't know either. I just, I had a little trouble finding the place. <laughs> you had a little out. trouble, all right. <laughs> and once I did, I didn't care, and I just went in there. <laughs> so I figured I couldn't get any more trouble just going through and finding the place where you guys were. So anyway, uh, <clears throat> anyway, um, I'm trying my new robot cigarette, and it's some sort of a fruity flavor. It's killing me. Um that was the what the U.S. Shooting Academy. I was going to say it's something like yes. called. It sounds official. It sounds just like a police station, like the U.S. Yeah. Station <laughs> shooting range or something. I nice think it was the U.S. Field. Shooting Academy. And yes. then it's a nice range. I got a bunch of pictures of it. I think I posted them somewhere. I know I posted them on my Instagram a little bit, but it was manicured. Like the, the grass was all mowed nicely. And uh, did you hear what that nice strike said? What? United States Shooting Academy is what it was. Yes. Is that what you're saying? Okay. Yes. And then uh, nice roofs over all the things. To me, I don't like it when ranges point south. What do you guys think? Those ranges were pointing south. Maybe that's just an issue for us out here, or is that an issue so much up north? Not really. I, I, I think it has to do with the location of the road and surrounding property. I know it always does, but I'm just saying, when I have ranges that point south, it bothers me because it's sunny all day, and I don't like it. When they point oh. north, I like it. We have Ben Avery here. It points north, so it, like all all day long, you're shooting. You know, you don't have to worry about the sun. It's not an issue. Then we got our range in Tucson, points west. So by about three in the afternoon, you're just looking at the sun. You can't even see your targets by evening. Yeah. 
Well, I prefer not to shoot first thing in the morning or the end of the day, but you don't, you know, you get what you get. Well, most people my, shoot either end of the day or beginning of the day at a range, just FYI. My range shoots east, so. See, that's horrible because then in the morning, unless you got trees and stuff, I guess. But I got morning, trees. Okay. Well, you're talking about your house. You're talking about your. I'm house. talking about my backyard. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. So uh, <laughs> anyway, otherwise, I think it was a nice range, and I don't think maybe it's not such a big deal in Oklahoma. Maybe that's far enough northwest on a thing. It didn't seem like there was a lot of trees. There wasn't a lot of shade there. Uh, but anyway, uh, from what we could see, the only thing is it was only those porta sheds or porta shitters, like the plastic outhouse things. Um, for as nice as it was, I was kind of surprised they didn't have like uh, an outbuilding with regular, at least some kind of outhouse area. There was in the clubhouse, there was regular uh, restroom facilities. Uh huh. As well as there was a uh, fire pit along with a place for probably 15, 20 people to sit down and and converse. There were tables too. Yeah. So is it, they had a nice a nice setup. But that was all on the inside of the main clubhouse versus out of the ranges. But that would have been a hike if you got to pee or poop or something. I wouldn't want to walk all the way back. No, over it wasn't that. that far. That was a long way if you got to poop. Well, maybe from where you originally parked, it was. No, no this is this has really turned into old man chat, hasn't well, this it? Is, this is real life, real life adventures and shooting. None of this glorified. I mean, we never poop those business. Maybe two, two, maybe three minutes tops to get to oh, the, the main building. From where you guys were, but think about how big we're talking about the whole range now. That range extended way down to the end of that parking lot where yeah. the other border shitter was, and then there was a road that went down to a whole bunch of other ones. And those get in your car, hard. drive to the main building, oh, do what you got to do, get back drive in your car, get back to your range, you're done. Drive into poop. Oh my god! Not all of us are that crazy i'm not i'd rather i don't know what but i i'm still saying i'm just surprised it's such a fancy, this is their website it's such a fancy range i just assumed that they'd have some kind of facility out there for those remote ranges but maybe they didn't i just didn't see it i don't know so anyhow that was our gun shop of the day we try to feature oh i forgot your quote on the um we try to feature a gun shop every day it's part of the reason we do the show on a daily basis and today it's a range out in the middle of well north of tulsa oh there's a good shot so that's that building. Can you enhance? Enhance. Uh, I will open a right new. Click, right click. There you go. Look at it's like there you know. Go. Now, look at this. Look at this. It's just like twenty four. <laughs> enhance. Zoomify. All right. So, so yeah, yeah. See how there's that giant building. That's where Dano's suggesting everyone's going to run over to poop. And then that big ass parking lot is yeah. where we, you know, where I parked. At and then 100 feet between the building and the parking lot is where you got to park. If you can see and my then, cursor, we were shooting in this lane right here. No, you weren't. You were over behind that building. We were in the far right. Far right one. This so, one. Yes. No, we, weren't, we weren't in this one. We were in this one. No, you weren't. You no, were in the we far weren't. right one. We were all far the way right. on the right-hand side. Yes, behind that building. So, so anyway, that's how big the range is. And it goes all the way to the left over there. And then there's stuff to the far left that's not even in this picture. There's like a lake. And then there's like stuff on the other side of that lake. Yeah, there's more there's lakes. Oma, and what's interesting there's, about There's it, supposed to be a holding for f facility for people of unknown nature. What? A jail. <laughs> so uh, I find what's interesting, though, is look how flat it is, right? It's Oklahoma, prairie or whatever. So it's all built up berm. It's kind of interesting. The entrance is right there. That's where we walked in, right there. Have they got any other pictures then? 
yeah, that's it's on the website. Uh, there, I gotta go zoom back out. Who knows? Hold on. There we go. On their on their main website, uh, U.S. Shooting Academy Moby. Oh, they got a gun shop inside. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Or they they rental? they did mention that they were going to get into guns. They were doing guns as well. But that's not all rentals. Those were for sale. Those were for sale, yes. Yeah. And those guns that were there uh, several years ago when, when we first went there, because I was there both the first and the second time, they were they were selling guns. Yeah. That's not new. Both Foose and non-Foose. Well, Foose did show up uh, you know, in April when I went. But, uh, again, he didn't show up until day of uh, Tulsa. A day of Wanamaker. Well, what else? They they're doing memberships, classes, and training and matches. I just uh, thought of contact. another submachine gun I want to shoot that I uh, got the handle, but I didn't get to fire it. What's that? What's the Suomi? No, an M50 Rising. Never yeah, the Rising is a good one. Where's that from? U.S. In World War II. Got a bad reputation and got <laughs> a lot of them ended up in the in the ocean, but uh. It was. I shot one of these with Iraqi veteran. He has one, and we were out there, and what the hell? He had just got it or something. Or no, they were doing at the time. They were just got their like little range set up with that big piece of railroad tie or whatever. So they were doing a video with it, and uh, there's an Iraq video, or Iraq veteran video of me holding it and shooting it. Oh really? I haven't seen it. It's from 2012. Oh, cool. But uh, yeah, they're neat. What they were uh, full auto and made by Rising, which is a cool dude. And then uh, 45 ACP, which is awesome, and Select Fire. And I guess the idea was right. You'd give it to a Marine, and if he had to like lay into a cave in like the Pacific Theater, he would flip it to full auto, push this thing around the corner, and empty the mag. Flip, you know, put a new mag in, flip it to semi-auto, and go in. I think that was the way I heard it described. Yeah, you just can't. Uh, swap parts in between them, and that's what led to them becoming problematic. Is that everybody would clean their parts and mix their parts up together? Oh, and uh, they're, they're each gun is fit to itself, uh, to a degree. But there's a bunch of I, I don't remember the history of why they were problematic, but they were they'd have issues, they'd have issues like pretty bad issues, and then a lot of Marines ended up chucking them in the ocean. Um, they're used. The only campaign that I know of that they're used extensively in was a uh, Guadalcanal, and as soon as uh guys got Thompsons, they got rid of the Risings. But it sure does look cool, and honestly, if handling it, it feels nice. It's like a nice stock. It's. It seems a lot like a uh, the Ruger nine millimeter that I was talking about before. Or the yeah, or the or the. Uh, like a full auto version of that Marlin, right? Was it the uh, Marlin that had the car camp carbine or the or yeah. the Ruger? Marlin, that's Marlin. It's the camp oh, okay. carbine. Does anybody, have, does anybody have an H and R like a twenty two or something or an H and R gun? Yeah, I do. So, what's cool about them is they're made by H and R. So it's it's almost like you're holding your twenty two, except you know it's fatter since forty five. But you know the, the the wood and everything, it's like got that quality consistency it's like just like holding your h and r 22 
It's kind of a shame they had uh, so many problems. Also, got it's got the charging handle in a weird spot underneath the front grip. It's, it's kind of a, a weird spot, but it makes it nice and slick, so you don't have uh, anything sticking out of it. So I've, you you mentioned that they were uh, dishing them in favor of the Thompson out in the Pacific War. Uh, was the Thompson reasonably successful in the sand environment? Yeah, it, I think the Thompson could. I think it is better, better manufacturing. Sand and, and Iraqi sand. Well, it's it sucks that the. Uh, I think it was just some manufacturing problems with the Ryzen that made it unreliable. It wasn't a bad weapon. It just couldn't be. Uh, you couldn't mix. You couldn't mix up parts easily. It had to be like gunsmithed if you're mi mixing parts up. I guess I don't know. I shouldn't be speaking, but about something I'm not 100 percent sure about. But I got the. The guy that I know that has the MP38s and 40s has a buddy that's got the right a rising and uh, brought it into the gun shop while I was there. And it was pretty cool. It's it's just nice. It feels like it like like G was saying. It's like a like a H and R rifle, but way cooler. <laughs> like it's just that wood that wood stock and the and the metal and I don't know. It's really nice. Have you guys seen this guy's channel? I don't know how to say it. No. no, I've never heard of it. Oh, my goodness. So here's a little extra tidbit. Today. This will be our feature channel. So uh, I'm going to drop the link to his channel in here for everybody. This is a Oh, yeah, it's a blind guy. Yeah, I know. This blind dude, and he does the best videos. Like just, I don't watch review videos, but I watch this guy's review videos. They're like, I don't know. I don't watch uh, in range, but I've seen Carl go at it when he's like nerd out on guns. This guy is every bit as good as Carl, nerding out on guns, but just cool as shit because he's totally blind. So uh, I'm dropping a link out here for everybody. I'm, I think I've talked about him before, but anyway, I just noticed that that he's got a video of the rising. So if we want to hear about a rising, I'd say that's 37 oh, that's... minutes. You're gonna learn about a rising right there. Nice. Yeah, it looks like the uh, civil a civilian version of it. And look, he's got a Thompson right there. Nice. So he's gonna do some comparisons. I was going to throw out there that, you know, Rising is one of the people I put in the deck. Uh, he's pretty cool. So born in 1884, right? And then World War II is, what, 1940s? So he was he lived till 67. Anyway, he uh, did some stuff, but then he worked for Colt, and he worked with uh, Ruger. I mean, he worked with Browning on the development in 1911. So he's, he's of the age of Ru Browning designing the 1911, right? So the... The, his gun, the Rising, is of that. That's what you're saying, like, you know, the interchangeable parts and that. It's like back in the days of crafting guns. I mean, there were still interchangeable parts and everything, but you know what I'm saying? Like, they come from metal down instead of machining outwards or whatever, you know. So there's, he's back in the early development of it or whatever. So I'm not saying his rifle was doomed. It's just that Thompson was moving. Thompson was still at reminiscent, reminiscent of that, it seems like, but. You know, it was never going to compete with stamped guns and that kind of stuff that we'd see after. Or in 1855, for credit, or 1884. That went all over. So that was the gun shop of the day. Turned into gun. Gun of the day. Turned into a uh, new featured channel. So, um, 
Night Strike just had a show. He's not doing nothing till next Tuesday. You're not doing abortion next Tuesday, are you? Uh, I'm doing hit or miss. Tuesday night's I'll, I'll, I'll leave that one just lay there, and I'll just let other people make their own, take that one where they want. But yeah, Sandhills is doing abortion for his topic next week on the on his, on his show. Um, you'll have a show next week. Are you going to bring the people in, invite everybody from SHOT? I'll invite anybody who wants to jump in. If, if they're at SHOT, come on in. That'll be after the first day of walking the floor and stuff, so some people may or may not be at places, but you might be able to catch people while they're Ubering between or whatever, so consider sending out links to texts, right? Text links to people and make it a lot easier on their phones or whatever. And then, okay. uh, all right, don't. I'm just telling you. No, no, I, I said okay. Uh, Thursday, we'll be meeting up with all the people that are going to shot and scheduling some stuff. So if you want to join us for an earlier show on Thursday, uh, and then uh, I guess we'll, we'll see everybody tomorrow. So what's tomorrow? Thursday? Oh, shit. No, wait. Tomorrow's Wednesday. So tomorrow will be Rick. It'll be... Uh, tomorrow will uh, be Rick and Matt. I think that's it. And then uh, we'll be back here same time. Yep, it's the right. Rainbow Coalition on Wednesdays. I wasn't sure. No, that's Thursdays, yeah. I wasn't, or wait. No, I don't know what you're talking about. So our... Um, Never can tell with never enough ammo. Yeah. His Monday shows are weirder than his Wednesday shows, though. Eh, I guess that's not true. Anyhow, so... Um, I wasn't sure if we were going to be able to carry a whole shot show about subgun. So thanks guys for making it interesting. Hopefully people out there thought it was, uh, give us some feedback. There's a email address, daily show at gmail.com. I have a poll, I guess, a poll over on Patreon. So if you're one of the Patreon people, I think it's actually locked to Patreons. So I figure if you are uh, paying for what we're doing over here, paying for our time, uh, give us some direction on what you'd like us to see us do. And, uh, we'll see you tomorrow.